Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Carl Dean. Carl, how are you doing? Good. How are you, RJ? Fantastic, man. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. All right. So uh, like you said, my name is Carl Dean. I'm originally from Michigan. I currently reside down here in Dallas. And I have a construction background as well as a little bit of a property management background. And I kind of turned that into a real estate background. So I got into wholesaling in Detroit. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of went through the, the steps and the motions, I guess you could say. And currently I'm, uh, I'm doing multifamily deals. I've still got a lot of single family stuff, but currently I'm doing multifamily stuff and, uh, working with a group called SPI advisory out here in Dallas. And that we also have an office office in Austin. And we basically are purchasing, you know, raising equity to secure debt, purchasing, um, apartment complexes and doing value add plays, two or three year holds. And we're basically, you know, we're improving the quality of life, you know, upping the rents, uh, getting a couple, you know, adding a couple of variables that might give us, you know, more income, obviously, kind of trying to lower the expenses any way we can, and then uh, selling for a profit. So went from single family to basically now flipping commercial deals, which uh, obviously apartments. Awesome. So let's go back to the beginning when you got your start in wholesaling. How did you get your start, and how did you transition from wholesaling to now being in, in bigger commercial deals and multifamily? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not like, well, I, so I started doing construction, right? So I had a couple guys that I'd met who, young guys, you know, when the, when the market really tanked, um, Detroit was just, I mean, it was just off the wall. I mean, there was people buying houses, you know, for five, ten thousand $10,000, doing a rehab on them, you know, getting eight $900 a month for rent. And the, obviously those things cash flow on paper like you wouldn't believe. And so the, the foreign investors, they love the idea of a brick home for under 50 grand with, you know, uh, 14, 15 net cap. And so um, I, I didn't really know any of that at the time. So when I got in, you know, these guys were flipping these houses and they said, hey, we could really use somebody to, to run all these rehabs and all the construction. And that's what I was doing. So I said, yeah, I'll definitely be able to help you guys out. They couldn't really find somebody who was comfortable going down and working in Detroit. So that was kind of their issue. Um you know, and I'm, I'm from that market, so I didn't really have an issue going down there. Uh, I had a pretty decent-sized crew at the time with my four brothers. Um, and we started turning and burning these houses, and we got up to doing, you know, 10 or 15 homes a, a month. And I started looking at, you know, the other side of the, the card, right, saying, you know, what are these guys doing? How much money are they making? Obviously, I'm curious. And I just started kind of taking notes on how I could lock these deals up and what they were looking for and just try to figure out what their buyer box was, I guess you could say. And so while I was down, you know, checking on jobs or on a rehab or whatnot, I'd be looking around for vacant properties and, you know, for rent properties and contacting the owners and seeing if they were willing to sell and then just trying to lock those up and sell them to the investors that I was actually doing the rehabs for. And when I saw, you know, the type of money you could make doing that, obviously my attention quickly turned to the real estate side of it versus the um, construction side. And so I was in college at the time. And um, I decided to get a real estate license and start working for a real estate firm that was basically doing just that. They were buying uh, assets um, in a little bit nicer areas outside of Detroit, which I liked. 
So I took a position with them. Again, it's always about trying to learn more, right? Educate yourself. And so I've always tried to position myself with people who are really kind of on the up and up and that I could learn from. And so I took a job as a, uh, I don't know, like a portfolio manager, I guess you could say, acquisitions manager for a guy um, and started doing the construction. Quickly got my broker's license. Uh, and I was just, you know, turning and burning deals. We were, we were finding deals left and right at that time. It was very, very easy to find deals. And we had a consistent product. So, you know, after a couple of years of doing that, I kind of learned the ropes and I went off on my own. Um, and I developed, I'm a very systematic kind of guy. Like I'm, I'm a processes and procedures for everything. I have a standard operating procedure for almost every nook and cranny of the business. And I took that and basically said, I'm going to develop, you know, a perfect rental property that's super low maintenance and I'm going to do all of them the same, all the same colors and I'm going to store all the materials. I'm going to try to cut cost here and do all this. And, you know, I, I became known for having a good quality product. And so I got the attention of some of the hedge funds that were buying heavily um, at the time. And, you know, when, when they kind of saw the product and then when they, you know, we'd done a couple of deals together, obviously, you, you get a little bit of a comfort level there with the people and uh, it just took off. And so I couldn't, I couldn't keep up in that market. And so I started looking at different markets in St. Louis and Kansas City and Atlanta and uh, at this time, I was just doing C-class assets, right? Like nothing over 100 grand. It was all, you know, smaller deals. And for a while there, you know, I just rode the coattails of a lot of these other guys. I just, you know, I would, I would find good deals. I would lock them up. I would sell them. I'd get the construction. I'd, you know, I'd basically feeding myself um, by selling them the deal and then getting the construction work and all that. And, um, yeah, I mean, from there, it just uh, those relationships with the hedge fund are really, I would say, what I have to thank for my success because I I, I proved to a few people who were um, big decision makers that I was capable of um, performing uh, at a fast pace uh, with multiple properties at a time and delivering a, a product that I stood by. And so that that goes pretty far in this business. You know, there's a lot of guys that do a lot of deals, and when the deal's done, they're kind of they disappear. <laughs> And I didn't want to be that guy ever. You know, I was always trying to make sure I stood by the investors. I stood by the people I was selling properties to. And to be honest with you, that's, that's why I left the Detroit market is because, you know, when I, when I saw the potential in other markets, uh, obviously that's intriguing to me. But then, you know, aside from that, it's really hard to stand by your clients when you're flipping C-class deals that are just, you know, sometimes they can beat, they can beat you up. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to not have a tail on some of those assets. And so I decided that I was, you know, I didn't want to explain myself over and over anymore. And I would start, you know, gradually getting into nicer assets. And that's when I started, you know, I actually moved to Kansas City and started positioning myself to come down to Dallas. And so I, I kind of put the bird in a couple guys' ears at the hedge funds and said, you know, obviously I know you guys are buying in Dallas. If I move my operation down there, is that something that, you know, we could potentially get going? And uh, obviously they said yes. And so I just, you know, I moved to Dallas within six months. So 2014, I moved down to Kansas City in August. And by the end of that year, uh, of 2014, I had moved to Dallas, January 1st, 2015. And, um, you know, got the system together, got everything in place, had a couple good partners and some real good brokers down here that I was dealing with. And, um, and I had capital guys were willing to give me capital. I had showed, you know, a lot of people what I was capable of doing. I had, you know, again, built up some trust. And so when you have that kind of system in place, um, you have people who are number one, willing to buy from you and number two, willing to give you money to do deals. And so, um, you know, and it helps to have a good team in place, obviously. And I've always been fortunate enough to see good talent and kind of have sniped some really good guys over the years. <laughs> and that's kind of what you got to do. Um, I prefer to train guys myself because everybody has their own way of doing things. But, 
Yeah, and you know, looking back, uh, we were doing about anywhere from two to three, sometimes four hundred deals in a year. Um, and obviously, it's only been a few years, but um, yeah, things took off pretty quick. And then, we, you know, next thing you know, we were really focused on those mid-level assets, hundred and twenty to one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars assets, and um, really hitting the foreign investors. I mean, they they loved it. We got we had a non-recourse loan product, which is you know, obviously that's uh highly sought after if you can get a good non-recourse loan product on a single family rental that's uh that's something that people can buy with you know as a born investor and that's something people can buy as uh you know using their retirement funds right self-directed IRAs and whatnot right. as long as you can get that non-recourse financing so we took advantage of that to the fullest um and when the hedge funds stopped buying then they stopped a screeching halt like everybody all at the same time obviously um we relied on that non-recourse financing and we continued to provide assets for a lot of foreign investors and, um, and a lot of non-recourse, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of uh, 401k, you know, self-directed IRA type of clients. And so that's kind of how I pivoted and uh, luckily it was successful. And, you know, at that point in time, uh, I was kind of scrimmaging trying to figure out what's the next move. What's, I'm always trying to figure out what's, what's going to be next. That's kind of why I am where I am today. And I've stepped down from the single family stuff is, I'm always trying to figure out what's the next thing. You know, I don't want to sit still too long. I don't want to get, you know, put all my eggs in one basket. I'm always trying to keep my eyes forward and see, you know, what's changing about the market. Um, and so, you know, I got in really good with some guys that, you know, some some fortune builders guys and some of these education companies that are basically educating people on how to buy real estate, you know, turnkey real estate. And so they would feed me clients. And, you know, it was just basically I had to make sure that their clients felt comfortable I had to have the right sales team in place, you know, people that were there to help them through the process, help them understand everything, uh, management in place. And so it just, you know, kind of gradually built the system. And um, I no longer had to look for leads or, or anything. It was just like, you know, can I keep up with the volume that's that's needed? And, uh, yeah, it got to a point, to be honest, last year, you know, obviously this market down here in Dallas is, is on fire. Um, and assets get a little bit more pricey, cap rates go down a little bit, you know, all those things kind of shift and deals weren't looking as good. You know, I couldn't keep up with the volume for the clients and, you know, I wasn't making it as much on the deals anymore and the returns weren't as good. And so I started looking at, you know, what's, what's going to be my next move. I had to pivot, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what, uh, you know, I did some hard thinking last year and, you know, I'm still good buddies with all the guys that I started American Real Estate Investments with. But I decided to uh, to step down from actively managing the company and um, took a trip down to Belize. I, I'd been down to Belize before doing some deals. I worked on a private uh, a private island development down there with a buddy of mine. And I liked the market, right? There's a lot of writing on the wall going down to Belize. Um, and so I decided to go down there for eight months and work on a project for Hilton where I was basically um, setting up the sales team to sell the assets. So they're building homes and they're building condos and whatnot in this resort and they sell them individually to uh, investors. And so I had to set up the sales team and deliver the content and the website and everything to try to get that thing going. And uh, yeah, it was pretty successful. We did about, oh, about 19 million in asset sales um, in about six months. So that, that thing worked out pretty well. Wow. And uh, yeah, once I capped out down there, I just, I decided to come back to Dallas. And I thought long and hard about, you know, what do, what do I want to do next? Again, I'm, I'm looking at the writing on the wall. And uh, as much as I love Belize, I just feel like, you know, I, I kind of did my thing down there. I've got some assets down there. I've got some good contacts down there. But I, I ultimately want to be in the States. Right. And so 
you know, I'm, I'm here in Dallas and I'm like, well, do I want to move? Do I want to go to another market? And, you know, when it comes to looking at real estate first, I don't, why would I want to leave, right? There's all the real estate, you know, you couldn't be in a better market. I mean, I think Dallas-Fort Worth is by far, in my opinion, the best real estate market in the United States right now, as far as bang for your buck, as far as return, as far as the type of assets, quality of assets, all these different factors, right? Um, employment growth, you name it. And so I decided to stay and I said, you know, I really want to get into multifamily, right? I want to see bigger deals. I want to see more variables and I want to learn again. More than anything, to be honest, I wanted to learn again. Um, you know, I, again, I, like I said, I've always tried to put myself around people I can learn from. And I had a buddy uh, named Mike Becker who works or owns, he's actually the principal of a company called SPI Advisory. And, you know, he had been on several speaking tours with me, speaking for different groups. And um, we used to do bus trips together for a bunch of investors. You know, they bring tw- different groups, would bring in 20 or 30 of their investors, and they'd go look at single family deals in this market, and they'd go look at multifamily deals. And um, I was the single family guy, and Mike was the multifamily guy. And so we'd always kind of had this, you know, we had a good relationship. And so when I came back to Dallas, I gave him a call and said, hey, you know, I'm looking to do uh, some multifamily stuff. And I don't know, you know, what you got going on structural wise in your company. But if there's any opportunity there, I definitely would love to sit down and talk about it and explore that. You know, I'm willing to come in however I need to, because, again, I think for me, it's more of an investment in my knowledge and my future. You know, however, I can get my foot in the door. If I get my foot in the door with a really credible company who I can really learn from, then I'm all for it. Right. Um so that's where I'm at now. I came on as asset manager. And so, um, you know, the day-to-day is a little bit different from single-family assets. Uh, I will say that. It's um, it's uh, it's different in a lot of ways, to be honest. I mean, there, there's a lot more variables with the, um, with the multifamily deals, right? And that's the one thing that I've noticed since I've got into this side of the business. Um, comparing single-family, which has been my background forever, to multifamily, it's like with single-family assets, you know, there's always going to be money to be made. There's that's always going to be a, a you know a great asset class to invest in to you know whatever you want to do. But you know you can buy a house in a market. You can put granite countertops in it. You can do whatever you want to do to it. But you're only going to get what that market allows for the rent, right? You're not going to be able to get twenty five hundred dollars a month for a property that you know when the comps around the neighborhood are renting for eighteen hundred bucks. It's just not going to happen, right? Right. And there's nothing you can do to force that. Whereas, you know, my favorite part I'll say about multifamily investing really is the fact that, you know, working with Becker and SPI, it's like there's so many more variables when it comes to apartment investing. Like, for instance, you know, rule of thumb with multifamily deals is for every dollar in value you add, right? So on, on your bottom line, every dollar in value you add each year, you basically times that by the, the cap rate, and that's going to give you the amount of profit you're going to have on the back end. So, for instance, I think we did uh, like 50 carports, um, and this is just, again, one of those variables I'm talking about. So we added 50 carports, and we're charging $35 a pop, uh, 35 times you know, 50 times 12 months, and you're talking you're, you got $400,000 in value just added by adding 50 carports, right? You add a dog park. You add you know all these different things. You add granite countertops. We come in and between tenants, we start turning these units and getting 100 to 150 dollars more in rent. Obviously, that's a significant increase in value on that property. And so, there's just so many more variables that I can play with to really get these things performing at a much higher level, where I didn't have that option with single family. Right. Well, that's obviously that's an incredible story that you have from starting from wholesaling to where you are today. So, 
to try to get as much as I possibly can out of this interview. I'm going to try to ask a, a question about each one of the stages that you've been in. Okay. Let's go back to wholesaling. Yep. For guys that want to get into wholesaling, real quickly, what would be the best way to market for properties, and how were you financing those properties when you got started? So, I mean, wholesaling, you know, I didn't really have to finance anything. I mean, it was, there was there was no money involved. I mean, nine, nine out of t- the, the market's a little different now, right? You got to have you got to have a little bit of money so you can have some kind of EMD down or something. Uh, but back when I started wholesaling, there was like, hey, anybody who wanted to put something under contract, you know, if you had a buyer and you were proven, especially if you were proven to have buyers, you know, you're you're good to go. But um, so I wasn't really getting too much financing when it came when it was the wholesaling stuff. But it's you know, my thing was always you know. I want to find a box. I want to find somebody who's buying a specific product on a consistent basis and then go find that product. I find that to be a lot easier and more streamlined than going and trying to find a good deal, which obviously I'm always got my eyes open for a good deal. But when you find a good deal and you go try to find a buyer, it can be a little bit more um, of a hectic process. You're on the clock, right? You have X amount of days for your due diligence and you got to find a buyer. Now, a lot of guys in those seasoned and they have buyers ready to go. Uh, but, you know, I put Craigslist ads up. I mean, I relied heavily on Craigslist when I was wholesaling, heavily, very heavily. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always just said, who is buying in bulk? Like, what, what are the funds? Who are the, who are the institutional guys? Who are the private money guys? Who's buying continuously? And so I, I went and there's a software, which I swear by this software to this day. Um, it's called FreedomSoft. I'm not sure. Have you heard of it? Yes. So, you know, I'm not big on everything the software does. I'm not big on, you know, a lot of like those internet marketing programs and whatnot, but I found a lot of value in this because what I would do is I would use the FreedomSoft and I would go on there and it would give me all of the people, you know, that are every single LLC that's purchasing property from highest to lowest. So you'd have, you know, blank, blank LLC purchased these 50 homes. It would give me the addresses and everything. So I could really put together an exact criteria of what these people were purchasing right, based on the, the data that I could find. And I could say, you know, this group is purchasing assets between fifty dollars and $70,000 in these markets and these zip codes. And I, and I basically created a spreadsheet. And then I went and reached out to every single one of those people. I would go find them on LinkedIn. Uh, I would find their acquisitions manager. If they were small mom and pop guys, I would just try to go to their office and make a face-to-face, you know. Uh, but I would do anything I could to try to establish a relationship uh, that way I could go in there and, you know, try to feed them properties. And I felt like buy, building up that buyer's list before you go in and try to find deals, having those buyers in your pocket ready to go and knowing what they're looking for, I just felt like I wasted a lot less time and uh, it was a lot more successful for me. So on wholesaling, your advice is find your buyers first, find what they want, and then go market to get those specific types of properties so you already know you have your buyer lined up at the, yeah. on the back end. Yeah, that and, and, and try to remove as much friction as you possibly can. So if, if someone would say, Carl, go find a deal right now and show me how this works. All right, I'm going to go, I'm going to pull the, the, the record, I'm going to see who's buying what. Right, then I'm going to go try to find that deal, whether it's on Craigslist, whether it's on MLS, wherever I can find it. Right, I'm going to go pound pavement and try to find that deal. Um, I'm going to lock that deal up. I'm going to package it very, very pretty. I'm going to have all the stats. I'm going to have a full spreadsheet showing the potential return, showing the rehab costs. I'm going to have everything. So when I send the email to the acquisitions person or the person that's trying to buy that deal, they don't have a single question. Like when they get my emails, and that's something I've always been very, very adamant about. When you get an email from me about a property, you don't have a single question. I answer everything in the email. I have the breakdown for everything. I have proof of everything. I have comps for everything. It's you literally open it and it's zero friction. If you can give somebody 
you know, that type of service, right? It, you're 10 times more likely to get a deal done. Agreed. Real quick, last question on wholesaling. Did you wholesale deals off the MLS? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it got to a point there where we were doing, so we were selling to a couple groups, and I'm not, I won't name them because, uh, you know, I'm not sure how things have worked out for them long term, but um, right. we were selling to a couple groups that were doing, you know, they were selling three or 400 properties at these events every month in Vegas. And I mean, it was just unbelievable at the time. Um, and, uh, uh, you know what, RJ, ask the question one more time because I, I kind of got sidetracked there. <laughs> it's fine. Were you wholesaling deals off the MLS? Yes. Yeah. So at, at a certain point there was, you know, I needed all the inventory I could get. Right. So if a deal was on the MLS and it made sense and I could put a renter in there and the numbers made sense, that's, that's all it is. Right. It's a numbers game. I, I, I'd attach the truly a crime link, you know, here's, here's all the details, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, a deal's a deal. I mean, you'll find deals on the MLS. Some are few and far between. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes, you know, unannounced nowadays, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I've done several deals off MLS. I always like to ask that question just because it's kind of like a hot topic, but some people think that's like a taboo thing to do. But my company, we wholesale deals off the MLS all the time. All the time. It's more about the value add, right? Yeah. Are you adding value to this deal? Are you bringing something to a buyer that otherwise maybe they wouldn't have seen? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to play that. So then let's move on to when you were actually rehabbing properties yourself. And then you were selling them as turnkey rentals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you were doing that, this is the better time to ask this. How were you financing those properties? So I had private money. Um, So there was a couple guys that uh, I knew from the industry. They had money. They knew I was highly capable of what I was doing. And um, they would would give me a, a running line of credit, right? And I would give them a partnership stake. And that's basically how I ran it. And we would split the deals in the back end. They would finance them. I would run all the operations, and we would basically square up at the end. And, and that got and to, they go they learned that you knew what you were doing from your wholesaling experience. Correct, correct. correct. And right. then I, you know, I, I slowly kind of got into, um, you know, the, the 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 purchasing for funds, right? So when I was a broker for a short period of time, um, you know, I was going out and finding a lot of deals. And uh, I was letting, you know, the agents double dip and take both sides of the commission. And so I started a pipeline where the volume was really high. So people knew, you know, I, for some reason, whatever, I wouldn't give away all my secrets back then, but I had a lot of deal flow. Right. And so these guys who are, you know, sitting on money and don't would rather not, I guess they're, you know, standing in line to give you money almost. Um, and so that's, you know, I started with the private money and then I got in with a couple guys and together when we started American real estate investments, we had a couple good lines of credit that we ended up getting from, uh, from some big institutional funds. Gotcha. When you were rehabbing properties and selling them as turnkey rentals, mm-hmm. how many were you doing on a monthly basis? Um, so I think anywhere from uh, an average of, you know, when I first started, it was maybe 10 deals a month. Um, but there was a point in time where I was doing 30 to 50 deals a month. And there was a lot of wholesaling involved. There was some that we were buying. Um, we were just, so basically what we would do is we would go out and say, you know, say Joe Blow needs a bunch of houses in St. Louis. This is his market. Here's what he's looking for. He gives me the box. I say, what's your volume? How much can you take in? Um, and how quick can you close? Right. I want all these details on the front end. They tell me they can do 50. I'm trying to fill as many as I can. So I'd go out to all the different my sources and say, what do you guys got? You know, what can you get? Let's put a bunch of stuff in front of these guys. So I'd put it all on a spreadsheet. True the crime links, the whole nine pictures. I mean, again, everything. 
I'd send it over and they'd check boxes. We want this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And then I'd just move forward however I could. This one I might have to wholesale. This one I, I'll have to, you know, come to the table with some money. However that case may be. I mean, we were running 20 different directions, but yeah, we were doing probably, I'd say on an average, you know, 20 to 30 deals a month. So when you were rehabbing these properties for people that are out there that may be struggling with just a couple of flip properties right now, mm-hmm. how are you managing those contractors? You said you're a systems and yeah. this kind of guy. How are you managing that many projects at once? So I mean, to be honest with you, it started with me managing, and then quickly after, um, you know, you just you have to delegate it, right? You have to find somebody who can who can just do that. Uh, you know, and I've always, again, been really good at just, you know, putting somebody in that seat saying, this is, this is this process we have. These the materials we want to use. Here's the cost sheet. Here's all my, you know, LR, LRO co- accounts and whatnot. And, you know, I, there's just no questions. There's, there's not a, well, what if this happens? Everything is here. Like, here's a, here's a whole portfolio that shows how I do a rehab. I want you to go and manage this. And so I put a guy in charge of that. And then, you know, when, when I came down to Dallas, we had our broker who had, you know, several contacts in the industry, and he basically ran everything for us. I would just go in, make sure things look good, uh, maybe change paint colors or do things, you know, here and there um, to save costs or whatever. And, you know, you just got to put somebody else on that. You got to have somebody manage that. Gotcha. All right, so let's transition to the next thing that you did, which was going down to Belize. Mm. Good time. Give me, <laughs> what is the what is the investment play with was what you did down in Belize. So the investment play in Belize in general is, you know, it's it's the only English speaking country in in Central America. Um, uh, the dollar is pegged to our dollar two to one. Um, it's British Commonwealth law, so you can have a hundred percent ownership as a foreign investor. There is no financing; that's the downfall. But at the same time, it's a market that's like Cancun, right? It's you, you look at Cancun in two thousand two, and there's you know. Uh, 2,000 people arriving every day and, you know, you look at Cancun now and there's 25,000 and, you know, you look at the landscape and how it's changed over the years. It's just like when something like that starts to get momentum um, and you start seeing direct flights from major airliners, which is what we saw, Southwest, JetBlue, all these different, you know, companies are now doing direct flights to Belize and you see the writing on the wall, right? Um, There's definitely a, a large opportunity there with like a VRBO type asset and, um, Obviously, those returns, if you can get the management right, those returns are phenomenal. You know, you can get really good returns with like a VRBO type of real estate um, because, you know, if, if you can pack it and put heads in beds, you know, even 75% of the time, those things just have killer returns because what you can charge on a daily rate is just way better than what you can charge for a monthly. Um, and so that was all attractive to me. And so I went down there while I was still doing single family assets with the group, with my, you know, American real estate investments. Um we went down there and started dabbling and we were working with a builder and basically building, you know, these large luxury deals and then selling them in fractional ownership. So it'd be like 10 different investors who own 10% and they get two weeks a year. And the rest of the time we, we lease it out and we'd run all the management and it's a pretty decent return. Um, but that was like a lot of moving parts and there was just, it wasn't an easy sell for people. And it was more or less like trying to get their head around. Uh, this is not a, 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 uh, what do they call those things? Timeshare, right? right? It, that was a that was a constant struggle trying to get people's head around this. This is not a timeshare. This is actual ownership, 100%. You know, real equity. And so I kind of stepped away from that, and then I got this opportunity to come down and work on that Mahogany Bay Village project, which uh, was really attractive to me. Um, it's an Ambergris Key, which is an island in Belize. 
uh, definitely the most populated place in Belize, uh, very touristy. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's 100% ownership, average daily rate type rentals, uh, very, very, very low taxes. There's no, there's no, um, there's no like, you know, real estate tax there with like 300 bucks a, a year for a million dollar property. And so all these things to me as an investor, like especially, you know, there was, there was, um, you know, the presidential election thing coming up, right? There was a lot of people were talking about getting money out and they wanted to get, and so for me, I'm like, well, this, they speak English down here. The contracts are in English, you know, the dollars pegged and all this stuff makes sense. And I see all these flights going down. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go down here and try to drill this. And that's what we did. I mean, we, just, we, we went <laughs> pretty, pretty heavy, pretty quickly, uh, and just started doing whatever we could down there. And it's now it's, you know, a very, very busy market. Gotcha. So now let's, now you come back to Dallas, you're in multifamily yep. to someone who's never done multifamily, but thinking, but thinking about getting into it, mm -hmm. what would be the one bit of advice that you would give to someone that's looking to make that transition from single family to multifamily? You know, I, my best advice would be get in with a group. Uh, you can't do it by yourself. You're not going to, I mean, you could be Scrooge McDuck. It does not matter how much money you have. If you have not proven you can do a deal, proven you can manage a deal and see a deal through, then you're not going to get much attention. I mean, there's so many guys out here with money that they could throw around all day long and they can't get a deal because the deals are going under the table to guys who are proven winners, who are proven success systems. And, you know, multifamily is very, very, very much a who you know business. It is not at all like single family real estate when it comes to that. If you do not know the brokers, if you do not know the people to know, you are not going to get deals. I mean, you can you can pound pavement as much as you want. Um, I know there's guys that do these, you know, educational events, and they all work together to syndicate deals, and they're all working together to find deals. And you know, you got two, three hundred, four hundred people, and they might find two deals a year, right? Um, so I would say, you know, if you're looking to get into commercial real estate or multifamily assets, find a company that's that's proven, who has a good track record. And, you know, maybe swallow your ego because <laughs> I had to do that, right? I went from owning a company forever and doing my own thing to coming and starting as an employee, obviously looking forward to, be, to becoming partner. But, you know, I had to say, look, I'm going to, I got to learn this. I got to get in with the right group. And there's sacrifices I had to make to do that, right? I didn't go in guns blazing like, oh, I'm a hot shot. I'm going to go around. And nobody cares about what I did in single family and multifamily. These guys are looking at way bigger numbers, way bigger deals. Um, and so it's definitely a who you know. So get in with a group, a solid team um, of people who do not walk in the gray area. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's the best advice I could give if you're trying to get into multifamily. Gotcha. But, but there are, again, there are a lot of like these little groups, these little multifamily groups where they have these events where there's speakers and whatnot. So, um, you know, again, I'm not going to name a bunch of them, but you guys can look. And I'm sure anybody can go online and look and find these local meetup groups. Those, those will definitely help, right? Because you just, you get to network with these people. Some of them are, you know, passively invested in several deals. Some of them are newbies and some of them are syndicated, you know, a half a billion dollars in real estate. So uh, those things are definitely beneficial when it comes to multifamily because it's all about the network. Gotcha. All right. So to kind of put a cap on this, I always ask, what is the driving force behind what you do? Mm. So what is your why? and everything that you've done in real estate investing to this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, the first answer that comes to mind is I just have a chip on my shoulder. You know, I, I grew up very, very poor um, in the trailer park. You know, uh, I did not come from money. I was, the only, I was the oldest of four brothers, the only one who went to college. 
you know, I, I, I've kind of ventured off on my own, left my family, left everything that I knew, um, you know, growing up and ventured out on my own to, to make this happen. And it's my dream. And I've never looked back and I've never slowed down. I've had some brutal years. I've had some very trying times and I just keep battling. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't sit there and get down on myself about things. I miss deals. I lose deals. Whatever happens, I learn from it and I just keep moving on. I just have that chip on my shoulder where I just feel like, I don't know if I feel like I have to prove it to myself or, you know, if I'm doing it for like, you know, to, to prove to my mother and my family, you know, this is, I want to make them proud. But, uh, you know, I just feel like what's, what's always kept me going is I've just always had that chip on my shoulder um, because I'm not, I didn't come from the country club, right? I'm out here trying to prove something that you can be whatever you want to be and, and see your dream through if you just push hard as hell and remain persistent as hell and just work hard and try to do good and don't burn bridges, right? And so that's what I'm, I, I think me having a chip on my shoulder, having something to prove to whoever is really what, what is my driving force. Well, um, this will probably be the first time that I've told you this. I know we've had a, a couple, you know, talks here and there online and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we we have a similar background in how we got our start in investing. You know, I was also a contractor, had a contractor background, Right. Got my start in wholesaling. Your story has been an inspiration to me, and and just following you on Facebook, um, I'm I'm always amazed at the different things that you're doing uh, along your your journey. And so I appreciate that. You know, if it's a chip on your shoulder, I'd say you know you're you're doing a good job of you know proving everybody <laughs> wrong and, and making something out of yourself, but. But also you're, you know, you're inspiring to other people. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in the same market as you. And so that's probably how we're, you know, friends on Facebook. And, you know, I see a lot of, you know, I, I've followed American real estate investments and, and things along those lines. But, um, you know, you're, you've been an inspiration to me. And uh, you always try to, you know, keep me motivated to, uh, to do more. I appreciate myself, that, man. So. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. So for everyone that's listening, if they want to reach out and contact you, what's the best way they can reach you? Yeah, you can uh, you can always email me. So my email is um, cdean at spiadvisory.com. Uh, you can go to our website, spiadvisory.com. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the easiest way to get a hold of me. Obviously, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm welcoming to anybody who'd like to do so. Uh, I try to I try to stay up with my social media. That's one thing about me. I do love the social media. I love to communicate with people. I love to meet new people. I love to network, you know, and uh, I'm always running and gunning. So I, I try to share a lot of that with people because, again, like you said, how I inspire you when I hear that, that's, there's nothing better I could ever hear than someone telling me that, uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form that I inspired them in some way or another because that's just like that refills my tank every time I hear it. And so that's I do try to sh- share a lot on social media. So if you want to follow me on social media, obviously, you're more than welcome to. Uh, Facebook is obviously Carl Dean. Instagram is Carl.Dean. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'd love to make some more friends and, and grow my network. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing your incredible story. Um, sure. it's, it's kind of hard to get all this in, in a 30 or 40 <laughs> minute interview, but I, I think we covered as much as we possibly could in those minutes. And, uh, I appreciate you being so transparent and letting us, uh, hear about your story. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.